check. Check. Checkmate. Matt Murray in the building today. <clears throat> Are you starting, Trav? We, we can start. Right now. We can just keep it a little that, bit more casual for a start. Was that your? Was that the intro? Give that's that's the intro. I'd, Give him a little bit. I'd, better I like than doing that. that better than the like the the official intros. It just feels like a little bit forced as opposed to like a conversation. You know what I mean? You're right. No, you're right. You're right. You know one of the things yeah, that I love Murray the most here. about doing this podcast with like strangers, and it's kind of good because like this week we literally yeah. have a stranger who are like like I've never met before Pat's never met like we're just kind of coming together for the podcast is like yeah. since like the last two years like I've kind of been deprived like meeting new people so like, I kind of love this like I have no idea about you know our guest we're going to get to know him he's going to get to know us and then we're going to have a nice little conversation a nice little podcast it's one of my favorite just things people last. coming together you know people people meeting people yeah. so we love to see so welcome back to Slaying in the Biscuit we're here mm-hmm. what episode what episode number is this 53 53 we are deep yeah. in every 53 we over a year this actually is our one year anniversary oh. we have, so <laughs> think of that you know, that's awesome so our guest this week matt murray is uh our one year anniversary episode how does it feel brother i'm honored <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a privilege you. Thank you. <laughs> i i would i would feel honored too it's a pretty big deal slaying the biscuit one year that's uh quite quite the accomplishment here so let's yes, get rolling so yeah, so we have Matt Murray, goalie for UMass Amherst in the NCAA, Calgary, or sorry, Alberta boy, Edmonton boy, correct? Not Calgary, right? Yeah. Okay, Alberta boy. Uh, not drafted, signed by Pittsburgh? Uh, neither. Uh, not drafted, not signed by Pittsburgh. Currently trying to find a place to play right now. Okay, okay. So you Good and I are in the same check. boat. We have nowhere to play, nowhere to go. As of right now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trev, did you just graduate from uh, D1 Hockey East too? You guys I, in the I same boat? It was, it was, <laughs> no, it was quite the opposite. <laughs> same, similar, same, same, but different. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's great. I love the background check about Pittsburgh there. That's fantastic. You did go to a development camp for Pittsburgh, though, right? Yeah, uh, yeah I went to okay. the camp um, after my sophomore, my junior year. Sweet. Uh, let's uh, let's start by getting a little uh, background of. Uh, your hockey career, obviously, you're a Canadian kid. Um, growing up, was it a dream of yours always to play D1 in the states, or did you have dreams of maybe playing in the WHL? Yeah, honestly, um, growing up out there, like you don't, I didn't hear much about the about the college system. It's definitely grown now. Um, going back and seeing how many guys are coming out of uh, Alberta for college hockey. Um, when I started, I was just thinking about playing hockey, playing the Western Hockey League, looking at teams like the Edmonton Oil Kings and Red Deer Rebels and stuff like that. Like that was that was what I was looking at too uh, when I was playing youth. And then I started playing junior A in Spruce Grove for the Saints when I was 16, and then that's when I fully began to hear about college hockey and what all that is, and then start talking to teams and stuff. And you're like, wow, this is this is completely different to what I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Why Amherst? Um, honestly, it always it was just all based on opportunity. Um, when I committed to UMass, they were uh, bottom of the NCAA program, um, and it was just an opportunity to come in and play right away. Um, I wanted to go to school out east, uh, just with the history and 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 good school programs out, especially in hockey east. Uh, I thought that the education side would be good too. Absolutely, uh, I do. Rem- I was uh, there. I watched you guys go from bottom to top of the league, which was kind of crazy. Uh, did obviously Kale McCarr came in, and he played a huge role in that. But uh, give give your little like little insight on uh, that process. What it was like from going from the, like bottom of the league to top of the league within three years. I think it was. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, obviously, when I came in, that was Carvel's first full year um, of being a coach there, and it was his team. So, my freshman class, I think we had thirteen guys. Um, it was a massive class, and then um, it was just he was still trying to weed out some things and and build a culture and a program here. So it was it was very intense for the first two years. Um, first year was was okay. I think we we're a little bit below 500 as a team in general, but we're playing a lot better. And then 
the second year, we got some more great guys, uh, the current senior class here, um, and they uh, they turned it around. And it's just been uphill ever since. Yeah, you you guys definitely did. I know, like uh, Len, John Leonard, like he was obviously lighting it up there too. You guys had some 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 great players there. When you uh, when you first saw like a guy like Makar come in, when you was he right away? Did you see him and be like, oh yeah, he's gonna be an NHL star? Yeah, well, I've been fortunate. Kale and I've been good buddies uh, since we were pretty young, both being from Alberta. Oh, nice. Just a highway ride away from each other, playing with and against each other, growing up our whole lives. And um, I remember when when he was still in juniors, and he was um, my first year in, in Spruce Grove. He like uh, was like black acing or like a affiliate call up for the for Brooks during their playoff run, and we played them in the finals. And I remember seeing him and talking to him about like how he's liking it and everything. And then next thing you know, he goes in and has a huge year in Brooks and. He was never, never the kid that like guys were that people were always talking about when we were younger. Um, mm-hmm. Often, it's like the Tyler Bensons and Sam Steeles and all those other, other guys our age. And then you could just see like it was just ex- exponential. He just got better. Like he had a great year in Brooks, and then came in freshman year. He was sick, and then mm-hmm. like, but he was still young. Like we we all were, and then. The next year he came back and he was just a completely different person. He was just a dominant force. This it was, it was so crazy to see that turnaround. Because like his, his his first year, I remember. And correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I remember they were talking about like on the the broadcast for the Frozen Four last year. Like he he had like an all right first year, like not kind of like the expectation what they were thinking he was going to do. And then the second year, like you mentioned, just flipped the switch and he, he just dummied the whole league. He just waxed everybody. <laughs> Yeah, like he was he was already light years ahead of guys uh his freshman year like he was sick. And then but like when he came back his second year like he went from boy to a man and it was just a, another level. Yeah, he he dominated that year. Like playing against him was just like he was toying with people. He just like gl- <laughs> he would just glide past their D and stuff and like damn, he's <laughs> that kid's good. You know, it's it's sometimes you see those players and you're just like you can't even argue against it. You're just like, yeah, okay. There's nothing really we could have done there. He was just, <laughs> he just did his thing. Yeah, and it's still happening. Like you, you do in the past a little bit in the NHL. Like every year, he's getting better and better. And it's, yeah. I don't know where where he keeps getting better from, but it's it's scary. It's it's it, it's cool to see. Honestly, he's now like top of, he's top D in the league. Like definitely offensively, he's like arguably the best offensive defenseman in the NHL. Is, which is wild. Well, like, you yeah. grew up with him, though. So, like, did you, like, when you say, like, he flipped the switch and went from, like, a boy to a man, like, are we talking, like, a like a physical? Like, you saw him, like, at the end of one season, you see him the next summer, like, wow, like, the dude was working out? Or, like, it was just, like, a mental, like, something changed? Um, a little bit of the physical side. Like, he was always fairly in good shape, but he's not, he's never never been, like, like, um, jacked or, like, like, a big body. But, like, he, he just came in bigger, faster, stronger. And he just had this mentality that like nothing's gonna get in his way, and he just owned everything. Is he your roommate when you're at uh, UMass by chance? Yeah, my freshman year we lived together, and then sophomore year we were just down the hall. We were all in the same uh, apartment building. I'm I'm curious because I get like you and Pat both played NCAA. Like when you guys like live with a guy, are are we talking like like double bunks or are we talking like side by side beds? Like what's the setup you guys usually have? Um, at school here for your first two years, you're on campus and we have these like apartment complexes on campus where it's just like hockey, basketball, and then, um, a couple like upperclassmen students from around campus. Most of them are like engineering students or whatever. And then, so we have a whole floor pretty much where it's, um, these apartments that are like four, four bedrooms, like dorm size bedrooms are not that big. And then, um, Two two bathrooms, a little kitchen, living area. It's pretty nice, like to not be in like a full on dorm. So yeah, so it's like a dorm plus. Yeah, yeah, it's like a dorm with privacy, <laughs> which my, is unheard of in most college uh, setups. And my my freshman year, we if you were depending on your age, if you were a younger guy, you we had like straight up dorm rooms where we had like the two beds side by side in a tight little box, just living with each other. 
Yeah, there were a couple guys year. my freshman year that had that. They were just across the street or whatever in, in these yeah. – it's like one of the oldest buildings on campus. It was brutal. They had <laughs> so many issues. It was terrible. It was terrible seeing what they had to live in. Uh, it's kind of fun though, like uh, socially living on campus for like freshman year, especially like everyone's just right there. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. Did you find that too? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh-huh. Like all the freshmen and sophomores, like all live together. So like you're just hanging out with everyone all the time. And um, I think that was the one thing that I missed the most when I. Uh, when I went off campus was uh, yeah, just like being with that many guys. But like right now in our house, we have, it's like a house, but they split it into two different like apartments almost. So there's eight guys in this, uh, in this house technically, but it's like two four person apartments. And it's, it feels like you're back in like that same spot. Cause you just run up and down the stairs and hang out with a bunch of guys. That is sweet. And what year there was it? Was it? I know it was last year, right? You guys won the national championship last year during the what year? Yeah, yeah. So I remember hearing. Obviously, that's pretty unreal. That's like the dream going to college hockey. So you got to live that out. Uh, but I remember there. Were, I don't remember the exact details. You guys in the Frozen Four, and you actually had positive cases of like significant players in the team, right? Yeah, um, we were just about to leave to go to Pittsburgh. And uh, we had a quick test, and we had like three or four guys pop. It was like one of our top two line pl- uh, forwards, a grad transfer that we had, and then um, two, our other two goalies, um, Philly Lindbergh, and then our, our other guy Henry Graham. So there was there's a few guys out when we went down, and the whole the whole with the whole like quarantine thing, it worked out that if we won the semis, they'd be able to play, they'd be able to come and play on for, for the finals. So yeah, it was a uh, there's a little bit of a panic mode, but obviously the guys kind of worked out. You got you got the start though, right? You were still in. Yeah, and you yeah. you pulled pulled through for the boys. Uh, hell yeah! Did you play in the final or the other goal? The other goal? Uh, to Lindbergh for the finals. That's I mean that's awesome. What was that experience like? Then you know like after all that like adversity and then finally like lifting the trophy. What was that experience like? It was awesome because it's like when you reflect on things of like, like what I said earlier, like I came to this program when it was ranked 59th out of 60 and like just there's just so many issues, so many cracks and it was just, it was a mess. And then to be able to be part of a rebuild like that and to get to that spot where you reach the pinnacle of exactly what you guys are trying to do, it was, it was crazy. It was, yeah, so I'm still, I'm still lost of words to think about it sometimes. <laughs> I'm sure. Sure. I didn't get anywhere close to that, so (laughs) I'm living it through you. (laughs) I'll never forget. Fun story playing against you guys. Um, It was my freshman year. We um, we we lost. I think I think it was a we played Friday Saturday at your guys's place. We lost Friday, Mm -hmm. and uh, Saturday we we did a morning skate, and um, our coach um, put us on the line in morning skate to skate for penalties. So every penalty we had, we had to do a board rush. Wow. Everybody had to do it. And yeah, and then I think we still ended up losing or might have pulled something <laughs> off. That's unreal. How, how many penalties do you guys have? <laughs> that game, there was, unfortunately, I think it was probably like eight or nine. It was, it was enough to, to be a tiring skate. <laughs> That's oh, a tough boy. one. Good you learn us. fast, though, when you're doing that, though, no? Yeah, yeah. Goal, goalie skating, too? Or goalie skating? Skate. Everybody. I'm I'm curious, like goalie to goalie, like what, what what do you think is worse, doing like the player skating, like when when they're doing like their board, you know, skating, or they're doing it in, like circles, or like an actual like a goalie bag skate? Oh, I don't know. I think like with the goalie bag skate, like when you're when you're just ripping like shuffles and t pushes and all that, like up and down to the blue lines and stuff, like you get bagged quick. Um, the worst part, in my opinion, is like when you do the player skates. And like if they're doing like the lightning skate or whatever, where you have to hit every line, it's the stops and starts because they're just ripping the stops. It's the the two foot stop, quick transition crossovers, and you know as well as I do, it's it's pretty hard to do that in goalie pads. So it just it gets awkward. You get left behind, and it's like just looks bad. It's kind of like driving like a manual versus like an automatic car. Like you automatic, you start, you stop, no problem. But if you do the manual. Like you come to the stop sign and you gotta just like punch it back in. Like it's 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 a lot of extra work, especially when you're carrying that extra like seventy five, hundred pounds of of gear. 
by the time you're all said and done. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I always joke about about that to some of the guys. Like, I'm like, yeah, my, I might be like 190 right now, but my playing weight's at like 230 once you put all my equipment on. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not lean on the ice. Yeah, I think even um, 230. So that's about f- yeah, like 40, 50 pounds, give or take. By the at time least, you're all said and done, add sticks, add pads. And then by the end of the game, too, when when everything's yeah. sweat locked, it's probably a little bit more. Yeah, at least I remember weighing in. Now, I'm not a goalie, but I because we uh weirdly had a like a power outage or something, so we were all in our equipment just waiting for the game to start. And I was like, I'm gonna step on the scale, and I didn't have skates on, and I'm normally like 195, and I'm pretty sure I was like 215, and that's without the skates, and that's player equipment. So I'm I can only imagine. Like a goalie is probably like double. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not light. No, <laughs> heavy. And everything soaks up the sweat too. Like at least I, I feel like with the player stuff, like your chest pad, like there's like some spots to like breathe, and I guess sweat could like kind of wick off and hit the ice. But like as a goalie, like everything is stuck. You know. Yeah, I feel like with players, it just pants would would soak up everything. Yeah. Well, maybe the shin pads too, because you get the socks on so tight, and like the helmets, like the, yeah. the visor, you get like the wipe, like you get like the the towel. But like as a goalie, you don't really have that that option unless you're going for like a, like a commercial break or like for a, a timeout or something, you know? Yeah. Or um, have you ever? Do you wear a bower, a bower helmet? I do. Yes. With all the how bad the foam soaking all the sweat. Oh, dude, I did um, I, I did an instant. Dude, I did an Instagram reel, I think back in October. Like we I think we played uh two like back to back games or whatever, and then like the next morning I, I came for like a morning skate and I forgot to like turn or, like um like turn my helmet around so like it was facing the back plate as opposed to like air coming in and like it was just soaked and I, I wrung out my helmet and you could just see all the sweat drip down on the floor. It was disgusting. Oh yeah, I do that. I have to do that in between periods every time. It's just it's brutal. I remember the old nine sixties never never did that because the foams were so hard. And then when they switched to, the, to these new foams, it was just every it was just a sponge, a lot more comfortable. But, but the sweatbands too, they're just as, like I go through probably like four sweatbands throughout a game, like one for warm one for each period. They're so terrible, and you can't hear anything either. Like you have to like um like you ever seen like Forrest Gump? Like when he's yelling at uh, Lieutenant Dan, he's got like the blown off ear. He's like, ah, you can say whatever you want. He can't hear you. But then he accidentally talks shit to him on the good ear. And then he hears it. That's kind of the same thing like with the Bauer helmets. Yeah. Yeah. I think they fixed the ear placement on, or at least I got one of the new ones this year. And it's it's way better compared to even the the previous models of the 960. It's, yeah, they, they changed the ear holes so like I can actually like hear now. It's nice. Yeah. That is helpful to hear. <laughs> but bad at the same time too because like sometimes it's nice to kind of block it like the guy behind the bench or like at the timeouts because that, that was one of the questions that i did get for the q a somebody asked if they ever heard or you heard them heckling you behind the bench <laughs> for a tv timeout i'm sure you, you didn't hear it because you had the 960 foams in <laughs> yeah yeah no you you definitely hear it but it's just it's up it's at that point where like if they're going to put put effort into to say something about me i'll take that as a compliment I got to ask, what is the best sign, the best, you know, heckler job like that you've ever had? Oh, the heckler job. I, I can't remember. I think when you're in Maine, man, like in that, like in that building, they're literally hanging over top of you and it's like, it's pretty intense. And, uh, in, uh, Fort McMurray in the AJ, it's very similar structure to that. And we played there once, uh, for how, like on Halloween and we just, we, beat him up pretty good and then after the game the fans like yelling at us and like someone threw like a toy grenade on the ice like at me and like <laughs> oh, I, like i was i kind of freaked out because for a second i was like holy shit it's a grenade and then <laughs> <laughs> you cover with a glove take one for the team you know <laughs> cover it up there's some kid who obviously wasn't a fan of me but um i have a picture um from when we played in merrimack there's this one kid who like had uh, on a giant sign it just said Civ or something, and he was like right behind the glass the whole time. So then after the game, I just like turned around, I acknowledged him, gave him a nice wave, and they got a picture of it. Uh, I might be able to send it to you, and it's it's pretty funny. He like he like messaged me after, and he's like he's like I can't believe you acknowledged me. That was the coolest thing ever. Like he was just <laughs> freaking out. He's like, and then all of a sudden he became my fan, and and whenever we came to Merrimack, he like changed it from being Civ to like cheering for me. 
No, That's no, he right. flipped the sign around and put stud on the back. He X'd out yeah. Civ. <laughs> Dude, that is awesome. Want. You, you won him over with kindness. Like you were, you were nice to him. You acknowledged him. You made his day, and now he went from a hater to like the guy loves you, and he's never gonna heckle you ever again. Exactly. You just gotta be nice to everyone. <laughs> That's all they're looking for is attention. You know, they just want your attention. Yeah. So. That that is way better than the uh, the or I guess a better result than the Portillo story he told us last week. Yeah, what did you have to say? So he said he went to like um, uh, Michigan was in Minnesota Duluth, and then I guess like because I've heard from a couple different guys that like Duluth is like the worst. Like two weeks before games, the Instagram goes on private. You turn everything on, like you just ignore everybody. Because um, Jimmy Phillips, by the way, so Jimmy Phillips uh, played at Michigan Tech. NHL draft pick by the Jets, good friend of mine. He was telling me that you know they they were doing all the dirt digging on Instagram, but like the the sisters and the girlfriends and the mothers are putting up signs. And then Portillo told us last, or I guess two weeks ago on the podcast, they go to Duluth. These fans do some research. They find this like picture of a sister on his Instagram page, and they blow up like a huge like a you know a six foot by ten foot sign, and they put it on the glass, and then they start chanting like we want your sister and whatnot. Like they are. Yeah, his sister Different. was like 15 or something. It was very weird. That, that's the part I forgot. That's the yeah, part that I forgot. It was very, very weird move by those fans. Wow. Yeah, once yeah. you throw the age in there, then you get a little cringy. But yeah, it's impressive. I know I know. Providence is kind of similar to that. They do their research. They have like the whole pamphlets and stuff they mm-hmm. set up. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> they would, and UNH would do it for us. Makes it more fun, though. A little uh, when the fans are into it, yeah, especially when you beat them, yeah. But if you get smoked, it's the absolute worst. Like, you can't go over to that corner and look at the guy, yeah, that'd be terrible. Like, you ever have a guy just absolutely ready to rinse you and, he, and he's letting you know you're down like six halfway through the third period, they blow the whistle, whatever, and you're like, I'm not skating to that corner. And then you go to the other corner, and there's another guy, it's like, I'm just gonna stand in my net and just I'll just clear my crease and scoop the snow off or something, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a tough go. But uh, speaking of tough goes, you know it's not a tough go, Pat. This summer, this summer season, it's pool season. You get your Manscaped lawnmower, right, Pat? You got a bush? Yeah, I I have you four man. I have four Manscaped lawnmowers now from from Manscaped. So I, I'm I might even do a giveaway if I'm feeling generous. I don't know. But there's let me tell you, they uh, each time I get another lawnmower, it feels like it gets better and better. So I don't know if. If that's true or not, but if you have an older lawnmower, it might be time for a new updated one. And they're they're there mm-hmm. on the website. You know what else I got and I for the first time was the weed whacker. And if you're like I say, if you're a real man, a man's man and you have nose hairs, the weed whacker gets your nose hair too. So they they have more options than just the manscaped lawnmower. They have shampoo. The, the conditioner, deodorant, and I'm using it all now. I, I'm just smelling fully like a Manscaped product. So, And I'm living good. I'm living great here. I'm feeling good. If you want one, you can go to manscaped.com and use the code BISCUIT20 for 20% off. You don't have to just get the lawnmower. Feel free to look at what else they have. Absolutely. And I figure what better than we have to ask Mr. Murray, are you a single or are you a taken man at this moment in time, sir? I'm a taken man right now. Oh, okay, okay, okay. How long have you been with the missus for? Um, been dating for about a year and a half. Been talking for probably over two now. Okay, okay. So maybe you're at the point where things are getting a little bit stale, right? Maybe maybe the bushes, you know, you got a little bit carefree. We got you covered. We're gonna get Mr. Murray out at Manscaped Lawnmower. We're gonna get him taking. You know, what we're gonna get him. We're gonna get him the shears and the the shed kit, the little travel bag, and the nail clippers and everything. It's gonna be looking fresh. He's gonna feel great. We get him the foot duster too, so his feet don't stink. You go to manscaped.com. Promo code Biscuit, 20% off. We'll get you taken care of this summer season. What a commercial break. You know, Mr. Murray took care of, you know, his boys. Pat did too. And uh, we're hoping you do as well. That was an amazing commercial break. Yeah. Speaking of uh, taking care of your boys, we have some uh, viewers of the week, as always. Um, so as always, you're watching the YouTube video version. You want to be a viewer of the week, you can leave a comment down below. Give us a reason why. We'll pencil you in. You can send me a DM. Send Pat a DM. Maybe uh, maybe send Matt Murray a DM. Maybe he'll, he'll let you know if you want to be a viewer of the week. Uh, Spotify, YouTube, Apple. We'd love to have you. Anyway, viewers of the week, uh, we have uh, Sean Kelly. We have Tom Pinklington. Says that he listens every single week. I screwed up his name, and that's okay. We got Marvin. Said he listened to the podcast on his drive home from New Orleans to Nashville. Do you know how far that is, Pat? New Orleans to Nashville? Yeah, I don't know how far it's that is. It's got to be like 
20 hours or something, right? It's got to be a good one. I don't Maybe crush like, a full season of episodes. Yeah. Yeah, probably. No. No, we've had 52 episodes. <laughs> okay. The, okay. <laughs> He's chipping away. He's chipping away. <laughs> He's chipping away. He's getting there. We got uh, John who wanted me to say, Pat, your sense of humor is like a lizard. <laughs> that That's what he wanted me to say. Does that, what uh, is we, it, uh, what does a lizard do? I don't know. He said, if Pat asks, he says, quote, if you know, you know. That That's exactly what he said right here. I, I have it in writing. <laughs> hey. um, so I shout out to you, John means. Boy. We got uh, Matt Benura said he recently discovered the podcast and uh, tried it out, loves it. Shout out to you, buddy. We got Reed McDonald, loves the podcast. We got Caden Edwards, Dawson Halley. We got Declan Heine. That's a wicked last name. Yeah, and, Heine. Uh, Jacob Jaswinski, Jaswinski, viewer of the week, because I throw the pot on before bed. I don't know if he leaves it on loop or he just listens to an episode, but uh, shout out to you, buddy. That's our that's our viewers of the week. Beauties. Mr. Murray, question for you. Do you travel a lot in the off-season? Do you fly? you ever take planes? In the off-season, not a whole lot. Normally, I'm just hanging out at home. Okay. I wanted to get your two cents on this. Pat and I were kind of going back and forth a little bit before the podcast started. So uh, I'm flying home from Sweden back to Canada in uh, 11 days, 10 days from right now. Looking forward to it. I'm getting a little bit anxious, getting a little bit nervous. You know, the whole post-pandemic flight security kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety. You know, all the testing, the screening. It's a long day. It's a 24-hour day. And it crossed my mind of all the things to worry about. I thought... The airport or the the airplane security, like the the tutorial they give you, like when when they start the plane up, they tell you please remove your headphones and turn your phone on airplane mode. You know, we like to get to listen, and they run you through. You know, in case of an emergency, if we hit the water, there's a life jacket under your seat. There's an you know an oxygen mask above. All this kind of stuff. You know, please put your hands in front of your face. Pull down like that. And I thought to myself, like if you're going 500 miles an hour, 600 miles an hour, you hit the water, you hit a building, like, like that ain't going to do shit. Like with the life jacket ain't going to help the oxygen mask, the, the pulling your hands like this ain't going to help. And Pat brought it to my attention before we started recording was that insurance wise, if somebody lives through this, you got to pay them out, right? You got to give them some money for compensation. And if you tell them to like, hold your head like this, they're all going to like snap their necks and die. And you're going to save so much money by not have to pay anybody out. So I was wondering if you had a thought on that. Cause I was thinking like, that's genius to avoid insurance claims. <laughs> I mean, it it does make you think like when you're flying that when you're going that fast and airplanes are pretty fragile as it is. There's no airbags or anything like what like what the heck is going to happen? And the, and then those little seatbelts that you have like compared to what you have to put on when you're in a car or anything like that, or or you have the pilots or you, or you see the um, the stewardess or whatever she locks in the full five point harness for takeoff. And I'm like, how come I only get the one belt? I don't know. I, I could see that being a possibility. I mean, I hope people aren't that sinister where they're just trying to cover their bases like that. But yeah, you never know. I saw a tweet about that years ago and I, I thought it was, I was in shock that it was like the airplane will tell you to like do that for that reason. I was like, wow. So then in the back of my head ever since, I'm like, damn, if, if there's ever a plane crashing, I'm just going to sit there and hope for the best. There's not much. There's not much though that you can you do. It's just luck of the draw at that point. You know, Take your seatbelt so. off and enjoy it. Take it all in. <laughs> like what <laughs> That's else? One way do? to go. But uh, nonetheless, I hope this. I hope you have a safe flight back to Canada. <laughs> I know, hope so too. You're just you're getting anxiety about your flight, and now you're talking about it crashing. So safe flight home. That's not likely. Don't worry about. The plane crashing. Okay, here's the thing that, that that gets me though. Okay, so I I know for a fact like I'm above the Atlantic Ocean, or like all planes go above the Atlantic, but like when I'm up there, I see layer one of clouds and then I see layer two, but like it doesn't register I'm above the ocean. But then I think, like we start getting like a little bit of turbulence, and I'm starting to think, oh Jesus Christ, today is the day. Shit, shit, what am I gonna do? All right, and then then you I'm get scared, yeah. Honestly, uh, this is this is a true story. The first time I was ever on a plane, I was 16 years old. I was flying with my mom and my dad from Winnipeg to Vancouver, and I literally pissed my pants at takeoff. I was so scared because like you're in the plane, right? Everything's all good, and then just like they they take off like that, and it was it, it was scary. It was like a roller coaster, but like indoors. And, yeah, it's not. Um, it's more. Yeah, yeah. It was There's a question that I got then coming off that. What are your thoughts okay. on the people that clap when the plane lands? Oh, oh I, I think it's the worst <laughs> thing ever. 
<laughs> you know what's you know what else I hate is when the plane lands and there's when you land there's a good like or when you finally like stop at the terminal or whatever there's a good like 10 minutes before you're getting off the plane immediately everyone just stands up grabs their bag and stands in the hallway that I hate when people do that because I'm just sitting there like all right you guys are not moving you're just wasting your energy like and I can see them all like sweating and getting anxiety just a pet peeve so the clappers and those people not a fan of them you know what's even worse though um as a as a large man myself I, I hate airplanes. Like I don't conform to airplanes, but also I can't afford to like sit somewhere else. So I have to sit in like economy and like sit beside two or three dudes or like try to weasel my way into like the emergency exit, best case. And like when they when the the doo doo goes on and like everybody does the three hundred meter dash to get their bags, you get like these short people that are putting their elbows out, and then I'm stuck under the thing like this, trying to like not hit my head, and I'm I'm jammed in the seat. It's the absolute worst thing ever. Big guy problems, eh? It's, it's it's a tall guy problem. I all, I'm always here's a little little pro tip for you. We'll put this in the podcast because not many people listen outside of Jacob Markstrom. But if you are the last person on the plane, okay, any seat is now yours, right? So like people will pay fifty bucks to like get like pick your seat or whatever. I'm the last one. I sit right by the gate, and they tell me, "Sir, please come on the plane. We're gonna leave without you." That's my cue. Now I go, and any seat that I see open is now mine, and I save fifty bucks, right? There you um, go. Another little hack I got for you, and, and I like this on the European flights. So when I came over this year, um, th- this I planned this out in my mind, and, and I'm curious for for Matt's opinions on this. So I put on the the meal preference. I put vegan meal because I I was in the, like, the little vegan kick for a little bit. Judge me for what you will. I know you're Alberta boy. You know you guys like beef and all that kind of stuff. So I apologize in advance. I, I like beef too, but just at that moment of time, I was kind of going through a little veggie kick. But uh, I put down like the vegan meal. So the lady comes by. Gives me a vegan meal. I just polish it off. I hadn't eaten like, you know, for the most part that day, buried it, put it under the seat. Lady, a different lady comes by. She's like, sir, have you not gotten your meal? I was like, no, I haven't. As a matter of fact, she gives me a normal meal. Bury that, put it under the seat. And I'm, and I'm shoving all these like containers like under the seat. So you can't see anything. Third lady comes by, sir, has nobody gotten to you? No. So I get a third meal. And then I go back to each individual one and I rinse them again. I go to the vegan lady. Ma'am, would I be able to get another one? I'm really hungry. Sure, it gives me two. I go to the regular lady. I go to the other lady. I rinse six meals on my flight from Vancouver just, over to Sweden. And I have it on video. I have it on footage. That just can't be healthy. That's just way too many calories, man. It is. But I... <laughs> I that's, so that's, this good. Is, that's like 6,000 calories, I think. No, no hold on, hold cleaned on. Cleaned out on an airplane. I bury the entrees. That's a lot. Okay, so the, the pasta, the veggie salad, all, I bury all that. The bread, I skip the bread. The, the desserts, they kind of suck, so I don't really bother with those. And uh, the salad dressing, no salad. I just eat straight like vegetables, like rabbit food. And I shovel it in. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, that, that's what I do. I figure, too, the flight costs like 1,200 bucks. They rinse you like three, 400 bucks for bags. I'm trying to, you know, get my maximum yeah. value. So if I shovel three entrees in, sure, you know, we're adding up some value on the clock. Yeah, you had six. Six, yes. <laughs> that's a lot. That's one per hour. <laughs> that's good. Uh, speaking of big guy problems, uh, Trav, short guy problems. You wanted to ask about that? Yes, eh? I, I, I did want to. Now, little little disclaimer here. Not singling anybody out. Love all goalies. You love hockey. You love goaltending. I'm a fan of you. I wanted to ask you, Matt. I'm 6'5". Clearly, I haven't been able to do much in my career with that height. Pat is 5'11", a little shorter guy. You're 6'1", according to Elite Prospects, right? Is that 6'1 on a good day, or is that like an average 6'1"? That's a good 6'1". Okay. Have you found... Because obviously, you went to development camp with Pittsburgh. Have you found there's a short goalie thing? Like, if, if you're a short guy, they won't give you a chance... You need to be a certain height as a prerequisite. Have you have you found that to be an issue? I definitely think that teams and uh, scouts have an ideal size that they're that they look for. But I personally, I think the game's changing, and you can see it showing, especially in the NHL right now. When you look at how Saros is doing, the guy's five ten with shoes on, maybe, and you got Chesterkin, who's barely over six feet, who's going to win the the Vesna probably unanimously this year. In fact, he might, he might be up for the heart and you got, you got, you got guys like that that are smaller, that they're, that they do their job. So I think, 
I don't know. I, th- I think there there's that stigma too with smaller guys. Like if you're not six three, then people are like, okay, well then, what can you do instead? But as long as you get the job done, I think most of the time they'll look at you. You think it's outdated? You think it's an outdated like belief that goalies have to be big? I think so, personally. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but I, I think it just shows with the evidence. Like you, you got small goalies that can that can do the job, or not even small, but rather undersized. I think I think there's advantages to having a bigger goalie, but with a bigger goalie, he's gonna have bigger holes. And my opinion, is what I always say. That's right. If his arms are longer, he's reaching more. Then there's more room underneath. That's right. You hear that, Trev? You got big holes, buddy. <laughs> I've been told yeah. it many times before, not the last. <laughs> yeah. um, you have big holes, over dude. There. I I totally agree. Like, obviously, I'm biased. Like, I I'd, I'd like the tall goalie stigma to continue on, so I can keep playing. So guys, are like, oh, you're six five, you got to be good. Then they see me on ice and like, shit, we already signed him. We can't get rid of him. We already owe him money. But like, I do think that like that's um, it's getting outdated. Like, as a big guy, like we break down faster. Like you're not like we talked about it last week. Four percent of all men are six foot two or taller. So 96% of all men on this planet are shorter than the NHL requirement to be a, a quote, NHL, a quality goaltender. But like you break down like at that age, like I'm like mine or at that height, like my knees and my hips are fried. And I'm only 25. Like you imagine a guy who's playing like a, a legit NHL career till 33, 35, like you're, you're physically fried by the time you're done. You know, like in shorter guys like Matt, I, I don't mean to call you shorter, but like a shorter guy like Matt, Gonna be a little more durable, a guy like Saros, even uh, Brody True, way more durable than a guy like me. <laughs> I don't know if you could call Matt a shorter guy though. Six one is not a shorter guy. Maybe in terms of goalies, maybe a shorter, shorter end goalie. I don't know if that's accurate. But I'm, I'm not calling him shorter. Being or sh- being five eleven and you calling six one a shorter guy, I'm like fucking damn. Okay, <laughs> let me let me clarify. When <laughs> when I side. hear guys come on the podcast that like. Cali playing, you know, all, all these guys like that are NHL drafted. And they're saying like that 6'2 is that minimum. Like you need to be 6'3. That's what I'm basing up. I'm not calling you short because you are a tall guy compared to, you know, the rest of the podcasting crew here. But um, from what I've been told. That, that reminds me of like those TikToks and stuff you see where it's like when you tell a girl you're 5'11 versus 6 feet. And, it, yeah. and it's just a monstrous difference. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think there's still that bias. And, and again, there's there's the differences and people have their opinions, but I think the game's changing, but like, Oh, that's what I was going to bring up with the, with, with the longevity thing. Like I look at like the tall goalies, like when, like when Dubnik plays, like he plays a very low stance style. Um, Koskinen plays similar and, and like even Vasilevsky, obviously he's a beast. He's a different breed, but like, I wonder how, how that body impact is like playing that low all the time like you're so scrunched over you're you're just so deep in your stance and you can get away with it for being that big but that's got to put a lot of toll on the body have you noticed and i found this like when when jonathan quick first came on the scene like he was one of my favorite guys because he's so explosive like just like violently explosive and powerful and as the years have gone on he still has that flexibility and that explosiveness but he's not using it anywhere near as what he used to like during those cup runs well, yeah, he's like what now? Early thir- mid, early mid thirties. I think he's around thirty five, thirty six. Yeah, you can't be the doing hips, that. Huh? That's just that's just. You also lose explosiveness as you get older. Like when he was prime, he was like twenty five to thirty there. Like those are his prime years. He was like explosive. You start getting to your thirties, like your your explosive, like fast twitch muscles are, you know, deteriorate. They're not as quick as they were. So, I mean, that could be why, probably why. He's just kind of wearing his body down and getting older. I heard a story. Oh, sorry. That's right. (laughs) I I was just going to say that as well. I heard a story from uh, Cole Keller, uh, Winnipeg Jets organization. This is like years ago he told me. He was training with Quick in the summer or whatever. And he told me, apparently, this guy will literally walk into the gym, no warm-up, no stretch, stone cold, and squat 400 pounds, like ass to grass, 400 pounds, can do a full splits, just like that when he walks into the gym. Yeah, he's a beast. A machine. Who's that? Jonathan Quick. Johnny's oh. Pizza. He can he can just not warm up and squat 400 pounds? Cold, cold turkey. You think he can still Ask do that? Grass. Walk in the gym? I, that went... Might on, pull, he might pull a hip of... <laughs> hold, hold on, I'm trying to do some math here. That was... So we're 2022. He told me that story in... Uh, 15? 2015? 2016, I think? No. Yeah, 2016. 
So that would have been six years, six years ago. So probably maybe not anymore. Maybe like 300 <laughs> pounds, but I don't know. That's <laughs> just like my under. theory. Um, that is impressive. Anyway, this, this podcast has been fun. I want to ask uh, one, maybe two final questions before we cap off. We're going to keep it a little shorter here today. Um, we So I put up the, the Q&A tab on Instagram and... <laughs> There, there was a lot of people that were asking questions like as if like you are like the Ottawa Senators, Matt Murray. And uh, I was I was wondering, would you be willing to answer some of these questions? They're very harsh questions to like the other Matt Murray. But maybe, <laughs> maybe you can help us kind of problem solve here. All right, let's do it. Okay. How did you fix your glove hand problem in Pittsburgh? <laughs> wow. That's a tough one, you know. Um, it was something I was definitely working on a lot, um, and I think just working on extra tracking on and off the ice is what helped. How tough was it watching Mark Andre Fleury take over the starting job in the playoffs, but only for you to take it back against the Ottawa Senators in Game Three? Hey, it's a dog eat dog world out there. We're all trying to do our business. We're all trying to win games. Do you think people confuse you with the Matt Murray at UMass Amherst? <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Did they actually ask that? That that's uh, who asked that question. That has to be a joke. Uh, Elliot. Right? Elliot asked that question. Uh, what was it like hoisting the cup back to back years over your head? Oh, uh, you know, is a is a dream come true? And they say one's weak, two's a streak. <laughs> How much beautiful. money does Vaughn pay you to wear their equipment? I, actually, he's not a Vaughn guy anymore, so I guess that's not yeah, a obviously question. not enough. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> Before we cap off, we should we should talk about the Will Smith. Slapping. Yes, we, we what last we'll do the Will Smith. Yeah. But uh, why did you fall off so bad and so quick when you came to Ottawa? Um, uh, you know the rinks in different location compared to, to where Pittsburgh is. Um, I thought it was a little bit colder and not not too good with the cold. It's a tough that. commute. It, it's that. the mileage. Yeah, there's not it's enough vitamin D. And vitamin D is testosterone and energy. That makes sense to me. Is I it really? That. Yeah. Well, vitamin D is actually, yeah, it does. If you have low vitamin D, it can be linked to low testosterone. Yeah, that's actually a true thing. Oscars this past weekend, Chris Rock makes a G.I. Jane joke to Will Smith's wife, Jada Jada Smith, who has, let's say, not been faithful to her man. At least it's, it's out in the media that she hasn't. And Will Smith is caught laughing immediately and then looks over at his wife, gives him a dirty look. And then gets up, goes up, smacks him across the face, turns around, goes back. Chris Rock looks at the camera and says, Will Smith smacked the shit out of me. And then keep your wife's name out of my mouth. Thoughts? Yeah, he was oh, pissed. Can we also talk about, the, can we talk about the remix track first, though? Well, yeah, there's a ton of remixes going around of, like, keep your wife's name. Can I play this mouth. in the microphone first? Sure, if you want. You might get, you might you get copyrighted. Heard, oh, my God, Matt. <clears throat> Listen, you are going to love this. <laughs> yeah, okay, are you ready catchy. for the hottest mix of the summer 2022? Listen to this. It does. It does go. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to bring it up because I think... In the terms of like jokes of comedians tell and like whatnot, it was a pretty hard, it was a pretty mild joke. And uh, I saw Trav commenting on the Spitting Chicklets Instagram. Shocking, I know. Trav commented on the Spitting Chicklets Instagram. And uh, he said, like, yep, good for Will. Like, I'd do the same thing for my woman, like, just fully back in what Will did. And personally, I thought he was kind of being soft and they were being a little soft by being so offended by that joke what would your opinion be of that matt um when i think about that i think immediately to that um chris D'Elia, um piece where like he's talking about how oh it's weird how people get offended at what comedians say and he's like you want to know why we're joking <laughs> yeah 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 i don't know i think i think a lot of people <laughs> get worked up about a lot of things nowadays whether and I think it's a little bit unnecessary. At the end of the day, it's a joke. Like it's not. It's not like he was being literal, like shitting on her, so to say. It was just. It was bad. But then I also saw this thing on the internet, and it was like this guy, like conspiracy thing of like 
this whole thing was planned because um because like no one watches the oscars anymore no one cares about the oscars and next thing you know will smith slapped um <laughs> chris rock and, and now everyone's talking about the oscars again and like this mm. whole like conspiracy thing about how it was planned but, i guess you never know what do you what's your take do you think it's real or do you think it was fake you think it was or not fake because he did slap him but i guess staged do you think it was staged I don't know. I don't think it was staged. I mean, it doesn't feel it. It's 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 Chris Rock and Will Smith. Like if they yeah. wanted to stage something, I think they could do something mm-hmm. a little bit more vibrant. Um, yeah, it was. I thought it was a little, a little bit off of that kind of reaction. Yeah. My, my take was that yeah, it was a joke, and it felt pretty mild. Like, he you can say some pretty offensive jokes. That didn't feel like everyone's like oh she has a medical condition but it's like i looked up what this medical condition was and it's simply just going bald which i'm pretty sure half of guys go bald right so if you're you're a guy like in the locker room your your teammates going up to you and giving you shit about going bald you know they do yep so i don't know to be completely honest i had an experience with 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 alopecia um over the summer where i was i had like a patch like right behind my ear that was like gone and I got some treatment for it, and it's all back, and it's all grown back now. It was like an eighth month thing, and now it's good. But like at the moment, like it did suck because I was like, "Wow, like I'm 23 years old, and I'm balding right now. Like, this is crazy." Yeah. And then you realize what it is, and it's just like your body thinks like your your hair is like a foreign object in your in your body, really? and it just tries to get rid of it. So you just have to take like I was just getting like a, like a different type of steroid injection there and the hair just grew back and everything's been fine since i mean i can see why people get offended because it's like it's a medical condition she can't control it it's not like her choice it's a joke and like and like you said it wasn't wasn't that harmful this is perfect you've actually like experienced this so this is a perfect uh like take on it like so just out of curiosity asking for a friend what kind of uh procedure did you get maybe curious (laughs) trav needs some hair it was just like in, like uh, injections. Like they just put some put some stuff in a needle and poke me around a couple times in the area. And I did like three or four different uh, times, like once a month, and all done. Is that in Alberta or is that in uh, the U.S.? No, I was here. Okay, okay. Because um, I noticed when I was nineteen, you know, starting to kind of you know go back a little bit. Kind of my hair's running away from me. And uh, I got I got Propecia, like it's like a quarter tablet and taking like every single day for like three years and it, it stops the balding, but it doesn't fix it. So like my hairline's like set like right now, but if I stop taking it, they tell you, oh, it's just going to go back even faster. So like they catch up with that. So maybe I'll have to try your method because uh, I like my hair. I got, I got a really ugly shaped head. Like if, like when I go bald, it's not, it's not pretty. Um, my woman was trying to convince me last night. She's like, oh, you look really good bald. I'm like, no, no, I do not look good bald. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I lose my hair, I lose my hair. But that one was just like a weird little spot, and I was like, okay, like this is obviously yeah, not natural. So yeah. for sure, then you would have to shave it because of the one spot. That's interesting, but well, that's perfect then, because then you've experienced it. And then you're like, all right, so they're they're just joking. I feel like it's a you have like a experience, so then you can kind of your your opinion is better than than mine or Trav's. I feel like. Yeah, so. I mean it's a joke. It's, there's, I've heard a lot worse jokes, and you guys both know some some of the chirps that go on in the locker room <laughs> or whatever. Like, yeah. those, if those went out in public, those could be a lot more harmful than. Uh, oh boy, yeah. No, you think shit. Twitter's bad? Yeah, yeah. The, I wish this like the soft world on like Twitter could hear like a sports game and like what is said between people, and it's just you know people just shake it off and move on. It's not you know. If they, I feel like if they heard the shit that was said between us, they'd be like, "Wow!" and just freak a shit. But my my woman whatever. was asking me, my woman was asking me probably like a good month ago. She says to me like we're Facetime, and she says like, "What do you guys talk about in the locker room? Like, what's like an actual conversation?" Like, I'm like, "Do you really want to know?" She's like, "Yeah, I want to be a part of the locker room for a second. I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> uh, well." So one of the guys did this, and you know, was out with a lady, and she's like, "Oh." I hate men. And I'm like, that's what we talk about. <laughs> we talk about these kind of things all the time. You know what? They do too. They do too, though. Girls talk about guys and what they do with us and what they want to do. They rate us too. You know what I mean? They're hypocrites. They're, 
They, they just don't want to hear it about themselves. But see, you know what I think the difference is, though? So she told me, like, when she was playing, like, like university soccer and stuff, like, you, like the, the girls would never look at each other in the shower. You just, like, like looked, like, head down, kind of like when you're trying to avoid somebody. Like, at least for me, maybe on the odd duck out, like, when the fellows go in the shower, like, you get the slides on, like, you're, you're sizing each other up, like, hey, John, is it cold in there or what? Like, man, you might have to shave. Like, look at that thing. It's like Osama bin Laden's beard over there. Like, you're just, you know, conversing about things. And we're staring, you know, we're making conversation. We're having a good time in the shower. You know, uh, pass the poo. We're making eye contact. We're having a good time. Agree or disagree? Well, about the junk, junk talk. There's a lot of junk, junk talk in the yeah. shower, for sure. I, I, Just the way I it goes. The, Trav, the I feel best like one, are you the guy that you're the guy who's always talking about everyone's piece? I, I am. The yeah. best story I got for this year, <laughs> one, one of the guys, our, our Czech guys, I um, I was bugging him because like he, he hadn't seen his woman for, I guess, two months or whatever. And like while I'm away, you know, I like to you know I like to run a tight ship. I don't like to let myself get too out of hand, or too you know too unruly. But uh, he had, and I made fun of him. And he says, "Trav, look at this." And he, he <laughs> my dad's gonna turn the podcast off here. He took like like his ball sack skin and folded it back over everything, and and used his nuts to like form like a like a bat, right? You, so have so you he, never have you never seen that like. Well, he, the first he, he did it in a way that looked exactly like a bat from my perspective. And I got a front row seat the whole time. Yeah, there's nothing like a front row seat to someone's sack, you know, looking like a bat. I, I'm jealous, honestly. You got to but see that. But speaking of front row seats, we'd like to thank Mr. Murray for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure, my friend. This actually turned out way better than I thought. We barely even exchanged DMs. I was like, oh, shit, we might have a guy where I have to like talk to a tree for 30 minutes. This was great. This was fun. Uh, we have a new podcast every Sunday at uh what time are we going again we're going at 10 a.m no sorry 11 a.m eastern too many pucks up there 11 a.m eastern midnight in china we'd love to see you for the new podcast spotify apple youtube mr murray any final closing comments uh just thanks for having me i enjoyed it good laughs nice meeting you guys obviously pat i've crossed paths you a few times but never been able to have a conversation so enjoy absolutely you as well appreciate you coming on man it's fun yeah, go to Osmo Follow, Matt Murray on Twitter, maybe or Twitter, Instagram. Well, I'll throw something in the uh, on the video description notes. If you want to give him a follow? We'd love to support Matt in any way we can. We love the uh, Western Canadian boys over here. Awesome, thanks. Good stuff. There we go. That's the podcast. That was good. That was sharp.